This is Women Crush Wednesdays from New York Women in Film and Television. We cover all facets of women working in entertainment and media, along with highlighting accomplishments of our members and previewing upcoming events. My name is Tammy Reese. I'm the founder of Visionary Minds, Public Relations and Media, and I'm so proud to co-host today's podcast with media, television, film, healthcare consultant, the one and only Penny Malloy Harper. Hey, Penny. Tammy, I cannot believe that soon our last podcast will air on July 26th for our summer break. We've had many interesting guests so far this year, such as acclaimed actress Annabeth Gish from AMC's Mayfair Witches. We interviewed co-chair of NYWIP's Women's Film Preservation Fund and Deborah Levy and filmmaker Ariel Daugherty. We have also interviewed location scout Jillian Fisher of The Whale. Many NYWIP members have been featured on our Meet the Member and Women Crush Wednesday Spotlight segments. And speaking of NYWIP members, so many members of our community have been highlighted on our podcast who had film projects a part of the Sundance Film Festival and the Tribeca Festival, just to name a few. We've also had amazing interviews featured from this year's Muse Awards, including the Academy's president, Janet Yang, Sharon Stone. We've also had Patricia Field and Angela Bassett on our podcast. We've had writer-director Alexis Jack now and editor Alexandra Amick of Hulu's Clock. Penny, you also have an episode. Please tell our listeners about that. Yes, Tammy, I did. As the newest member of NYWIP podcast and communications team, I had the opportunity to be interviewed by Giovanna, um, and I had the chance to describe the role of a registered nurse and healthcare consultant on television and film sets. That episode was so awesome, Penny. I'm so proud of both you and Giovanna. Listeners, we highly encourage everyone to re-listen to episodes and share with others who may have missed the episode as well. Penny, you have a Meet the Members segment for us today with Honey and Hemlet Productions, Shanna Riker and Melissa Bronski. Let's take a listen. I would like to introduce to you two members of New York Women in Film and Television, Ms. Shanna Riker and Ms. Melissa Bronski of Honey and Hemlock Productions, an award-winning female-led production company. They have produced and directed two short films, Solitarity and Spacemen, which are both currently in their film festival runs and are currently in pre-productions for their third short, Speechless which will complete their series of three shorts on men's mental health told through the female lens. Oh my gosh, super interesting. Shannon Riker is a producer and an award-winning screenwriter and director and has produced seven short films, four of which she directed and one she also wrote. Shannon's short film, The Leap, had a successful festival run in 2020, winning three awards and is now streaming on Reverie TV. She was also named Female Filmmaker of the Year at the 2023 Austin Revolution Film Festival as director of Spacemen. Shanna, so glad that you took time from your extremely busy schedule to interview for this podcast. 
I just want to ask you a few questions so that the audience can get to know you. Can you please tell the audience what led you to become a screenwriter and director? Ooh, I grew up in theater and I've always loved that side of production. Um, but I've always been a writer. I just didn't know I was a writer, right? I was always the kid, the journal, and I was just making up stories and making my family watch the plays that I wrote or be in the plays that I wrote or, you know, um, so it, it sort of was an interesting journey. I came from theater. I came from an acting background and I had always written just on the side and never really thought much about it. And then I sort of transitioned from acting into production work, production assistant, coordinators, associate producers, and then I sort of worked my way up through theater and live events. And now, you know, um, I work for Spectrum as a producer for their commercial team. But in 2015, my parents passed away and I needed an outlet. I needed, you know, I needed something. So I just took all of these filled notebooks I had and I was like, I'm going to write a screenplay. And when I wrote the screenplay, I knew in my heart of hearts that I, I wasn't capable of letting someone else direct my screenplay. So I said, I'm going to be a director. And <laughs> so it really just sort of stemmed from that. It, it just kind of, once I said, I'm a screenwriter and I'm a director, I haven't looked back since. What an amazing journey. Oh, I'm so sorry about the loss of your parents. I really am saddened to hear that. But your your journey has been amazing. You had stick to itiveness and you're doing which a dream which you wanted to do. So on the positive end of that, I'm so proud of you. I just want to know because you are a writer, the writer strike that's now occurring. What are some of your feelings? How is that affecting you? I'm not WGA. I do have an agent who he specifically rep represents a genre that I write uh, made for TV Christmas films. And I think that right now the strike is about all of us, right? I might not be in the WGA, but I would like to be. And I would like to know that the contracts that are being fought for right now will protect me in the future when I am a member. And so I think, I, I think that writers obviously deserve to be paid, not just a living wage, but they deserve a piece of the pie. I mean, if you don't have a screenplay or a script, you don't have any content. At the end of the day, you don't have anything to make money from. That's where it starts. I love that, Shanna. That is such a, a way to describe what's going on. I especially like the unity of everyone sticking together because as you stated, without the writer, you have nothing. So as a team, we have to stick together in order to make these things happen. Like, what are your feelings about AI and writing? I'm, that's one of the sticky points that AI may have a great input on what writers are now currently doing, and it may impact upon their future projects. What are your feelings about AI and writing and the writers? I mean, this is what I say first when I'm asked about that. I don't want to be in a world where the robots are working the creative jobs. You know, we as humans, we need creativity in our lives and we need to find a way to do whatever that creative job is for us. And I know that there are benefits, obviously, and I'm not against progress. I don't want to be in a world where humans aren't really feeling, and I know we're not there right now, we're not there, where humans are feeling like they are working all the jobs that aren't creative, right? Because I think that there is, there's something so important about stories. I mean, even as a writer, right? During the pandemic, I was locked in my house in New York for months and you have to get out into the world and you have to be inspired and you have to write and you, you don't have to write. You have to be inspired in order to find creativity. And 
for me, I think there are so many benefits in the technology boom and where we're headed. But as a writer, like when chat GPT was getting really popular, I, I kind of avoided it. I tried it twice because I felt like I should. Yeah. I was, I need to know what this thing is. But for me, I felt very, like you could type in anything, right? And you could get a fairly decent thing that you could edit. For me, the, as far as writing goes, I want to write it. I don't feel like there's a point for me to be editing something that someone or something has written. I want to write it based on human experience. Understood. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that. I know AI sometimes is a touchy subject and I'm so glad that you were able to express your feelings. I don't, I know I'm a nursing professor too. That's one of the things I do. And I always ask my nursing students, how do they feel about AI? And they always say, well, there's working with humans, which we're working with patients. But on the other hand, they also say that they're overworked. There's so many things that they don't want to do. And I said, well, just so that you know, nursing has always been a field that relies on artificial intelligence as, and technology to do our job. We rely on x-ray machines. We rely on blood pressure screenings. So we have incorporated that, but it just becomes a sticky part, like you said, because of the human process and the human touch. And I thank you so much for that answer. I'm going to now introduce Melissa Bronsky. Hello. So Melissa Bronsky is a director and producer, and throughout her life, Melissa always gravitated towards the arts. Whether performing in or producing projects, she led with the one simple idea of telling a good story. Melissa has produced two short films and was a co-director. Oh my goodness, Melissa, you ladies are awesome. So Melissa, how did you transition from the commercial world to the film world? Yeah, so uh, for a long time, I was in the modeling and acting world, specifically in commercial commercial production. I PA'd on a few things. I PA'd on a few photo shoots, specifically being in that modeling world. And when the pandemic hit, I found myself at a extreme disadvantage by not having the control in my career that I wanted or that I, that I craved after that. And I really started diving into that production behind the scenes kind of world, because I think it gave me a little bit more creative control and it gave me a little bit more control of my scheduling. I got to control when I was working on a project, what creative project I, I could endeavor in and how much I got to be a part of that. So in about 2021, end of June, maybe? end of June, yeah. beginning of July, I reached out to Shanna, who I'd worked with as an actress. I, I was an actress in, in her projects that she was directing. I reached out to her very subtly asking her to get coffee. <laughs> I love it. The teamwork. I love it. <laughs> and I, I was like, well, I think I want to direct something. I want, I want to be in that production side of things. And and she turned to me and she said, yes, absolutely. I think we should start a production company. And I said, oh, that's a step. That's a jump. But all right, let's 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 see how we feel after 24 hours. That's and, not what you meant. Well, <laughs> yeah, since then, I've been working in the production side of things yeah. and I've been obsessed with it. I, I don't think I would ever go back to um, the act. I just, because I'm hearing that you did acting, you did modeling. How has that transition been now that you're behind the scenes and that you're not being seen? Really, really wonderful question. I think while I was transitioning, I did have a little bit of a confidence dip in a part of it, which I definitely didn't expect, but I didn't realize how much, and this has probably changed for the better because now I'm not so reliant on that, but I, I definitely had a mindset switch of how I thought about myself and 
how much my appearance was necessary for my job. I was committed. It was my, it was my full-time job before the pandemic. So it was a definite shift in mentality on what was important, how I could better myself and maintain a healthy lifestyle in a new way was beneficial to this much to this more active lifestyle of, of being on set and lifting those heavy things and changing my diets and making sure that I was, I was always healthy, but in a different way now. It was, it was for different needs. It was for being sure that I could do anything on set that I needed to do and being sure that I could withstand those long 12 hour days of, of heavy labor of moving equipment and packing and unpacking cars and being prepared for that. Yeah. So I, I think also on top of that, I had this really and, and this might sound maybe a little vain, but I had this this moment where I realized how much of my self-gratification was coming from the shoots and being paid for that. And I needed to have a mental switch of just because no one's paying you for this doesn't make you any less. You're still you. Yes. It, does, it doesn't matter if you're getting paid for that aspect of your life. You're now endeavoring on different parts of your yourself that are kind of, I don't want to say more important, but important in different ways. Like I, I'm used for my mind a little bit more and I'm used for my creativity in a much freer way. And I, I really appreciate that. So I, I try and remind myself about that. What a great response. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing and opening up to our listeners and sharing that with us because that was truly heartfelt. How did you get the name Honey and Hemlock? Does that mean something to you ladies? Is it like your nickname? or <laughs> <laughs> um that is a really great question a great question thank uh, you for asking so the way we came up with honey and hemlock is i had a, an apartment before i moved out to la i had an apartment in hell's kitchen mm -hmm. and shannon and i sat on the floor of that apartment and we just spitballed names we wanted to encompass all aspects of femininity, right? Because we're not all sugar and spice and everything nice. And, you know, so we wanted to make sure that we covered women, femininity. Have you ever heard uh, of the play Arsenic and Old Lace? Yes, and I have. Yes, I have. We loved that idea of, mm -hmm. of you got poison and then you old lace. Yeah. Something delicate and something, something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and we just felt that there was such a strength and, and fear ferocity in women that was so perfectly encompassed by that that uh, that idea of poison. Mm -hmm. And then honey, we're we can be so sweet and so maternal and so giving and, mm -hmm. and kind and we're we have such a capacity for that. Yeah. We just wanted to really embody femininity. But later we actually discovered, randomly discovered, I think I I came, I came found up, it. Yeah, randomly. I came up with I, I found it. Um, my name, Melissa, actually means honeybee and yes. means flower, which is completely unrelated we to us. not know. Name, um, but yeah, that is that. So ladies, what motivated you to take on these three films, Solitarity, Spaceman, and Speechless? And is it a coincidence that all three films are one word and that they all begin with the letter S? The first question to answer, which is definitely the easiest, is no, it is not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. Uh, they were, we got the script of Solitarity on our desk first. Mm -hmm. um, we had a, a pile of scripts that we were going through that we were choosing for our first project. And it was our first project. And we landed on Solitarity. Then we, after producing that, we got the second script on our desk, uh, yeah, Spaceman. Space Man. 
And that was, that one was coincidental. Mm -hmm. But we had those, these two films that were so similar in structure and storyline. And uh, we realized that they were both actually written by men. By men about a certain aspect of mental health. And so Spaceman was a coincidence. But after Spaceman, we decided to make it a choice and make, we decided to turn it into a series of three. So after that, yep, we went on a hunt for Speechless. Mm -hmm. um, and we actually met him at the Deep in the Heart Waco Film Festival. And yeah, we, we kind of were like, do you have anything that fits this bill? Is this, this is kind of the series that we have going on right now. Uh, we would love to make it a third. We would love to make everything intentional. Um, we think that this is a really important, powerful storyline to tell, especially through the female gaze and especially to put a new spin on it and also provide a resource for a group of people that though there's so much privilege that they have, this is not one of those aspects that they get to talk about. They don't get to talk about depression. They don't get to talk about uh, being victims of domestic violence. Especially men, which is what Spaceman is about. They don't get to talk about grief. And we felt like it was a really important story to tell as humans, but really also as women that understand what it feels like to not be able to talk about things. And to not have a voice in any given situation. And actually, we we wrapped production on Speechless yesterday. We did. Yeah. So congratulations. Congratulations. Can you ladies just share with me briefly what each of the films are about so the audience can know what they're about? Absolutely. Um, take Solidarity. I will take Solidarity. Solidarity is the first part of our series. Focus of that film is depression. It follows Jeremy, a man who is struggling with depression and who has isolated himself in his apartment. His partner has been trying everything to uh, get through to him and bring him out of his shell, but he's really just lost himself in the game of solitaire. And in this lost depressive state at the pinnacle, depression manifests into this human-like entity, Jeb, and sort of forces him to face his problems head on and face his inner demons literally in, in, in the present. And it's just this really beautiful, Quirky, quirky take on depression yeah it's 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 a little avant-garde definitely a bit more avant-garde than the other pieces what? it is Except for and we shanna you directed that film we directed solitarity together melissa and i wow. directed that one together i directed spaceman uh and melissa directed speechless the one we just shot um spaceman is it's about it follows bobby on his first date after escaping a marriage in which he was the victim of domestic violence. And this is the first time that he's put himself out into the world, probably the first time that he's actually even been in a bar or a restaurant, you know, since the divorce. Um, it's very intimate. It's, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a first date film at a first glance, but it's, it's very intimate and it, it follows him on this first date and he's trying to navigate being out in the world, being on a date, interacting with this woman that he he finds attractive and he likes and and really it, it's it feels very sad but also at the end he did it he got himself out of his house and out of his head long enough to go into the world and to try dating and the date does not go well bobby says in the film as he's telling her trying to explain to her 
what happened in his life, no one believes you. And she doesn't because he can't get the words out right. So she thinks he's the re like he was the abuser. And so it leaves you with, I hope, a little ray of hope at the end that it didn't go well, but he's capable of doing it again. And then speechless can someone yeah, I can tell you a little bit about speechless. Speechless is the story of Jake. Uh, Jake is a man who has just lost his girlfriend and best friend in a tragic accident, um, car accident, and he is at her funeral. He is a, at her funeral about to give his, her uh, his, the eulogy, and when he goes up to say the eulogy, nothing comes out. He starts hiccuping and letters start pouring from him. Um, so in this journey of trying to express himself and get the words out and process his emotions, he leans on his good friend, Allison, and mutual friend, Allison is a mutual friend of both. Jake and the girlfriend. And they really realize that leaning on someone and having that person to help navigate those emotions is sometimes the best way to figure out what you needed to say. Yeah, you don't have to do it alone. Ladies, these are all heavy topics, depression, domestic violence, and grief. What is the take home message that you want your audience to have overall from each film? I think that the overall topic is finding community mm -hmm. and finding the people that are going to be there for you in these really difficult times yeah. and finding those right people and how important that can be and how you can't deal with this alone. And how like we want to provide a space where people can see these films and think, oh, I've experienced something similar and maybe weren't comfortable talking about it yeah. or have never told anyone. And we've already experienced a few people at festivals that we've been to find us and say, I went through something very similar to Solitarity or Spaceman and like I never was able or felt comfortable because I'm not supposed to. We feel like we're not supposed to have problems and we yeah, are. I, I think I think that the stories, the message of the stories themselves are about finding community. Mm -hmm. And we found that we've we've had so many people be so candid with us mm -hmm. about their experiences and how these stories have helped bring those those experiences out. And we're I think I'm just really proud of it. I'm very proud of it. Yeah. And we really, with this series, I think we wanted to bring to the forefront that like, it's still, it's 2023. We still don't talk about these things specifically enough in any circle. We absolutely do, do not. And that's so important to bring these to the forefront. And also that you recognize that there is community and community is something that we lean on. That's what makes us human, that we commune and resolve problems. We discuss issues. These films, I cannot wait to see them. I am so proud of you to, to have the courage to take on these tough topics. And from the male perspective, as women, writers, directors, you did it. Amazing. The other thing I would like to talk about is your Honey Writers Film Festival. I just want to hear more about it. I was reading it and I said, I just need you to expand on that because it's such a great idea. If you could talk about the types of entries or how you came up with the idea of the film festival. And then of course, tell us about the winner. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, you so start, I'll dive in on Yes, that. yes. Actually, we, we came up with the idea yeah. of Honey Rights probably about a year ago. We both had it at the same time almost. We did, yeah. <laughs> we, we both have different ideas of where we want the company to go. Um, the same idea all around, but we both have different aspects that we really were focusing on and we needed a bounce off point. So uh, Shanna's big, big dream, I think, for the company is eventually producing a film festival yes i would uh, love to host a film festival like a full-blown one and i have this dream of hosting a children's program specifically a children's writing or children's screenplay program where we could work with like saint jude or some of these really fantastic children's foundations and give them a space where we can make like like a make-a-wish thing where we can make their their stories come to life for them either in an animated setting or in a live film setting and we and want I've, them to be there yeah and like be part of the crew or be a pa or something like that or just just have yeah. just see their images they come to, to life there. right yeah. and i want that eventually to be a free program for children so a great bouncing off point for both of those ideas to kind of get our feet in the water was to host the screenplay competition and we also are always looking for more content and, and love to Build community. I mean, really, the the core of us is building community, building community and building voices, creating space. And I think that we both thought it was a really great idea to produce someone else's work, yeah. to to give someone that that voice. And we knew that we didn't want to start with children because that's a little tricky. We, we need we need to start somewhere a little bit more stable than children. We need a lot of things to be. Yeah. in the place for us to to bring children into the mix. But so, we did say 16 plus. We did say 16 yeah. plus. Um, so we we started hosting Honey Rights. We came up with Honey Rights. I love it. it. Yeah, Thank you. it's a screenplay competition. There's no genre right now. Maybe we would do a genre someday, but currently it's any, any uh, I believe it's 15 page and under. Right yeah, now. first season was 10 to 15. We just reopened for a second season. So it's up to 15 now. And that's where we met our yeah. winner of our first season. Yeah, we had, we had, for our first season, we had 60 entries. Mm -hmm. wow. And we received entries from, at, I think, eight different countries. Amazing. Vast demographics. Vast. I mean, it was amazing. It was the range. We had four finalists and Diane Janice is her name and her screenplay is called Dueling Watchers. And Dueling Watchers is, it's not a part of a feature that she's written. She has a feature featuring the same family. But when she was done with the feature, she decided that she just wanted to keep telling their stories. So it's about a family. They have a like a little, not maybe a farm, but like a homestead, a garden. They have bees. It's a very close family. They all kind of live in the house. They own a bakery. This one focuses on their the youngest daughter. So it's a single mom. She, I believe, is raising her niece as well but her daughter is louise and louise is 11 and louise has decided that she is old enough and she thinks there's a threat on the family hanging out in the woods and she thinks that she is old enough to defend the family without telling anyone and louise's feet planted on the ground and she is a determined little girl so she knows there's a threat and she doesn't tell anyone and she goes to take care of it herself Interesting. It turns out that what was perceived as a threat by the little girl is a person 
that they actually end up needing to take in and take care of a little bit. It's actually going to be the first heartwarming film I've ever directed. I tend to skew a bit dark, you know, the depressing side of cinema, so I am very proud of everything I've ever directed, even the things no one gets to see but me. I'm very proud of them because you learn and you grow and I love them, but this one I'm excited to sort of spread my wings and direct something vastly different than I've directed before. I hate to assume, probably for season two, Melissa's gonna direct that one. I mean, we have only been open since July 1st for season two, wow. but we're planning to film Dueling Watchers in October. We're still location scouting and everything like that, but now that we're wrapped on Speechless, we're about to dive in headfirst to producing the first winner of Funny Rights, Dueling Watchers. Shanna and Melissa, you ladies are doing great things. How can our listeners contact you to find out more about Honey and Hemlock? So we are on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We have our website mm -hmm. and we are also on TikTok. Um, so our, our website is honeyandhemlock.productions. Uh, so that's honeyandhemlock.productions. Our Instagram is at honeyandhemlock underscore productions. Uh, our TikTok is at honeyandhemlock. Prod. The majority of our content right now is Instagram based. We are also sponsored with the field. We're sponsored artists with the field. We have a profile on their website as well. And we each have our own individual websites as well that are just our names.com. Well, thank you ladies for taking the time to speak with me so our listeners can learn more about you. Much continued success. I'm so proud of you. And our listeners will absolutely support what you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing work, Penny. Thank you, Tammy. Sarah Riker and Melissa Bronski have many great film projects completed and in the works. Again, congratulations to both of them. Also, we have another segment. Listeners, please enjoy our Women Crush Wednesdays member spotlight, Jamie Ingle. Happy, hazy, hot summer, amazing Nyrus community members and audience. I'm Cassandra Seidenthal, and I am thrilled to be back here with you. Today, we are fortunate enough to be hanging out with our awesome Inspiration Spotlight Florida WIF member, Jamie Ingle. Hey, thank Hi, you Jamie. so much for having me. Hi. Oh my goodness, thank you so much for being here. I'm very, very excited to be like coast to coast with you, straight down, not across, straight down from Florida to New York. We're doing it. Awesome. Well, we are super lucky, and thank you so much. Let me just share a little bit with our audience about you. Jamie is an award-winning novelist, screenwriter, and speaker who writes stories with a magic touch in her book, TV, film, and comics across a multitude of genres. She has published 15, yes, 15 books, and she started screenwriting in December of 2020. Yep. Jamie's latest movie. Awesome. Does Jake is streaming currently on the Up TV Safe and Family Network, which is accessible on Amazon Prime. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you so much, Sandra. I am just super excited. Could you just tell us a little bit about Just Jake and how you began your writing career? 
So Death Stake is um, a rom-com that is a story of um, second chances about a country music singer who goes back home. He's distraught. He falls back in love with his high school sweetheart. And I won't ruin the ending, even though it is a rom-com. And um, (laughs) I started writing when I was seven, when I fell into the pages of Alice in Wonderland. And it was so vivid. I remember gasping. And then I was back in my bedroom. And I said, I want to do that for other people. I want to take them out of this world and take them on adventures. And I was hooked from then on. Well, we are certainly hooked from now on with you. Second chances are really so important. How is it that you possibly even knew at seven that you wanted to begin writing? And then how did that morph into your writing for TV and film? So I would read these wonderful books, and I think I just wanted to be in the story deeper. I like to say that I invented the um, idea of fan fiction because I used to take Mary Poppins and Jane and Michael on adventures (laughs) when I was little. Uh, (laughs) I wrote really bad copycat Del Silverstein poetry, and um, I just loved writing. Um, I like to think if I was trapped on a deserted island, and I knew the water was going to wash the words away, I would still write every day in the sand because it's just who I am um, to inspire people, to educate people, to entertain, take them out of this world. I can't help it. I just love story. And that turned into, uh, after a long hiatus of being a stay-at-home mom, uh, when my first son graduated, I had written a bunch of books. And I wanted to get into filmmaking, and I met a guy. It's a unicorn story, Sandra. I met a guy who had an entertainment attorney in L.A. He connected us. In December, the attorney asked if I had any rom-coms. I'd never written a movie before, so naturally I said, let me see what I have. And I took a crash (laughs) course that weekend, and I learned how to write it um, because I've been storytelling for 10 years. Uh, So I learned how to put that story into a script. I sent it to them. The producer loved it. And here we are two years later, and it's on, t- on television. Is that just Jake? Yes, ma'am. Oh, my goodness. You are so fierce. I can't even get over it. <laughs> like, what does a typical work day look like for you? Is it like go to the beach, have a great time, write something in a bottle, throw it in the ocean, and it comes back? Oh, that sounds amazing. But no, right. I'm very structured. Like, I use a, a paper planner. And I have a, um, an app on my phone that chimes on the hour to tell me to switch tasks. So I write on a book. I edit a book. I type the book or the script. I write the script. I mark it. So every hour it, it switches. And that usually takes me from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And, yeah, and I work from home. So that's, you have to be really uber focused and organized and uh, mm-hmm. purpose. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's so easy to, like, clean out the Tupperware drawer. Uh, that's what I've found works for me. That is fantastic. You know, I only mentioned that with the with the with the message in a bottle because for some reason you took me to a fantasy place when you were just speaking of uh, sharing fan fiction and and uh, Alice in Wonderland and it just makes you feel so dreamy and happy and Mary Poppins. I just wanted to just float up above the sky, you know, and yes. get into books in your head and find out so much more. Yes, it's my happy place. Now, I know that you had spent the last decade speaking to students across the state on writing and social issues. Um, could you tell us a little bit about more about that, especially about the uh, empathetic part and your golden rule? My first book, Clips and Chase and the Arrow of Light, was birthed from my son being bullied and we homeschooled. And during homeschooling, 
we went to archery club and I had this imagination of a dwarf stalking us from hedge to hedge because we had something that he wanted. And I went home and I did some research and I learned about the two princes trapped in the Tower of London. And I wanted to retell their story and give them a, a chance to escape. And I thought, what if I sent a boy back in time to rescue them? And it dealt with bullying. So that put me into the school system. I started reaching out to schools and saying, you know, I have this really fun story that's a soft introduction into social issues like bullying and empathy and the power of words. I'd love to come talk to your students. And that took me all over the state. And I've spoken to tens of thousands of students in, you know, besides here in New York, actually, my, my cousin lives upstate. So I went to her kid's school and just really having this chance pour into kids these these thoughts and these topics of, you know, if you see someone and they don't look like they're behaving like they normally do, they may just need you to come over and ask them, are you okay? And, and be their voice, just like Clifton was the voice. Yeah, in my story. So that started the whole adventure. And it's been such a beautiful experience and a like very um, honorable thing to be able to pour just life into kids. Uh, that they may not hear from somebody else because they're a teacher or a parent, but I'm like a superstar. <laughs> you know, when they meet me, they think, I'm you are so freaking inspirational. I can't even tell you. I'm like speechless. I'm sitting here and there are a million things I want to say to you and I don't even have kids and you're inspiring my kids that I don't even have to speak to these critical issues and to approach them in a delicate manner. Better way to do that than through your own experience through wards and then through film and TV, um, when they're brought to life, that you reach hundreds of thousands of people. That is so special. Thank you so much. What would be something like amazing that you would want to share with our community today in this moment that is something that you could either consider a win or something special that has happened or will happen or is happening in your life? Yeah. So when I first started, somebody said to me, the ones who make it never give up. And I have held that in my hands and cried on it and laughed with it and believed it when I didn't believe in anything else. And if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have spent 10 years independently publishing books, which wouldn't have opened up a door to meet this attorney, which would have meant I never got to make that movie that I wanted to make when I was seven years old. And because I didn't give up, not that I've made it, but I made it. You know, I, I hit I hit milestones. I mean, I've hit these milestones that I've always wanted to hit. And so what I like to do is think about Every week, we have to put the work in so that we can get to those big goals. So on Fridays, I do these super silly um, hashtag wins for the week dances, and I share my wins, like, wrote a thousand words, talked to a producer, you know, and just I inspire other people to share their wins for the week because we forget our, our dreams are so big and it takes so many years to get there. So if we can remember that each week, you wrote, you know, you got out of bed and sat in front of the keyboard today. That's a win this week. And just yeah. to remind ourselves that we are winning, even if it doesn't feel like we're winning, because the ones who make it don't give up. That's right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Interesting that I saw when I was reading about you. And it was the word Engelbert. 
I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> so the the Ingleverse is what I create. So if you think about Disneyland or Disney World, when you walk into the park, like the Magic Kingdom, for example, because that's the one near me, when you walk into the Magic Kingdom, you feel like you're in Disney, which to me is the stories with a magic touch. But each different area of the Magic Kingdom is a different environment. You know, you have Adventureland and Fantasyland and all of the rides are appropriate for those lands. So when I'm writing my books and my movies, I try and see where I can put a character and cross them over into another book. Like, you know, can I do that in a movie from a book? So that way, if you're reading one of my stories and you notice that this character was mentioned in another book, you get a deeper relationship with my world, with the Ingleverse. You don't need to know it, but if you know it, it just gives you the fans or the readers a deeper experience, just like Marvel does, just like Star Wars does. I'm just trying to take that concept and create, you know, this, this Ingleverse experience for people who can hopefully find and enjoy my books and my films as I continue to create. You are so magical. You have definitely made me an Ingleverse fan. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so can you share a bit, little bit about uh, what's coming up? Let's... Yes. So I'm... Uh-huh. Um, Yes, on the horizon, there's a bunch. The um, I, the Just Stake novel is coming out this fall. Um, I'm adapting one of my TV shows that I've optioned. I'm adapting the um, the novel so I can get that published prior to the TV show continuing its path. Um, I've got several movies that are at funding boards waiting to get the green light, but we're on strike right now, so we're we're chilling. You know, we're we're chilling. We're waiting for those AI to be shut down. A little birdie told me you were an alien on Sequest. I was um, back in the day um, when there was a lot of film production in Orlando, and um, I had an agent, and I did a lot of acting, and that was one of the the most fun jobs to to be dressed up in the the latex and have the you know, the the whole thing like zipped up in the back and like glued shut, and you know it was so hot, but um, yeah, it was just. It was really fun, and, and uh, yeah, it's just one of those weird things that not very many people get to say. They were an alien, so I was. Well, I don't want to stop sharing with our audience with you today, but I have to say thank you so much for being on. You are incredible. You are beyond incredible, and you are such thank an inspiration you. to me, to I'm sure our listeners, audience, and members. We are so fortunate to have you. Can you please just share a couple of your social media handles with our audience? Yes. I am at Jamie Ingle Writes just about everywhere in the world. My favorite place to hang out is LinkedIn. That is where I am the happiest. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, I, I share uh, pretty similar on, um, on Pinterest, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Those are my, my top. Everyone, please connect with her. You will not be sorry. You'll be sorry if you don't. You are fierce. Thank you so much for joining us, Jamie. I have had such a great time, and thank you so much for your genuine caring about me and my story and my universe. And I just thank you guys for all listening, and I hope you leave this feeling inspired. And share your wins for the week on Friday and tag me.
podcast team brings the absolute best and most inspirational people within our Nightwave community. Penny, what are you looking forward to this summer and what entertainment news stories are you following? Tammy, I am looking forward to relaxing and taking a life at a slower pace, enjoying the beaches and sunshine, getting that vitamin D. How about you, Tammy? I love that you said that. I recently posted on my Facebook page how I'm taking things slower. I had a a very busy and the first half of the year and I'm just enjoying my family. But as for news stories, I'm definitely keeping up with the writer's strike. I'm also following what's going on in the SAG world as well, just to stay in the loop and informed. Penny, is there any film or TV recommendations you have for our listeners? I will always recommend anything AMC and The Walking Dead related. However, I also want to recommend watching Black Mirror on Netflix. Also, Fake Profile, which is on Netflix as well. How about you, Penny? Well, Tammy, those are great recommendations. I need to watch those myself. I'm not a great television watcher, but I recommend any independent film or television production. Independent filmmakers definitely need our support. The F rating is also now heavily implemented across many independent film festivals and is applied to films to indicate productions that are directed and are written by women, giving them a fair representation in the world of cinema. I couldn't say it better myself. Definitely support any film. Y'all heard it from the one and only Penny, y'all. Thank you, as always, for tuning in tonight with Women Crush Wednesday's podcast. Please be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, wherever you get your podcast. And if you liked what you heard, please give us a good rating and leave a review. It helps more listeners find their way to us. If you would like us to share your story or nominate someone for our New York Women in Film and Television member spotlight, please email us at communications at Until next time, keep it crushing.